Our Bible reading this morning is taken from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 15, read verses 1 through 21, and that's found on page 1716 in your pew Bibles. And as Christy said, this is the beginning of a new sermon series called I Was Just Wondering, and all the sermons in this series have been gathered from the youth. So last spring, we surveyed the youth, both middle school and high school, you young people here, we asked you, uh, what are some Bible passages, what are some topics that you'd like to hear more about? What, what, what is it going on in your life that you'd like to hear from the pulpit? And we got a lot of feedback. I think we got um, 30 different things from the youth. That's too many. So we narrowed it down to 10. So basically from now until the end of November, until Advent comes, we'll be going through some of these youth questions, thinking about them. Now, the good news for those of you who are, shall we say, less youthful, that if, if it's interesting, that, uh, what we found is that a lot of the questions that the youth asked, or the texts that the youth had questions about, were the same things that all you older, all of us older people also wonder and worry about. So you will have resonance with, with most of these. There's a few that are more for youth. But many are for all of us, including today's question, which is, how do I know the will of God? How do I know the will of God? Really good question. Now let's define our terms a little bit, um, because when we talk about the will of God, we can sometimes mean different things. So sometimes a liturgist, right before the call to confession, will stand up and they will say, I'm going to read to you God's will from his word. And then they'll read something like the Ten Commandments or some other piece of moral instruction from Scripture. And sometimes when we talk about the will of God, what we mean are the rules of God, the commandments of God. So that's one sense that we mean that. That's not the sense we're talking about today. Uh, when the young people asked, what's the will of God, that's not what they meant. What they wanted is, if I face a big decision in life, if I come to some sort of crossroads where I have to make a decision, like maybe after high school, uh, do I go to college? Do I work? Do I take a gap year? How do I know what God wants me to do in that situation? What is God's will for me in that situation? To answer that question or to address this issue, I'm going to read from Acts 15. Why did we choose Acts 15? Well, Acts 15 is a story from the book of Acts of God's people trying to discern his will for one really important decision. And the decision that they were trying to figure out was, what do we do with the Gentiles? Up to this point in the early church, everybody, pretty much everybody who's been converted has been a Jew. Right? All the people who come to Christ have been Jews, so they're practicing, they're keeping kosher, they're keeping all 613 laws, and the men are all circumcised. But now the Gentiles are coming in, and the question is, okay, what do we do with them? Do we make them keep all 613 laws? Do we make their men get circumcised? Do we make them observe all the ceremonies that the Jews observe, or is there another solution? It was a really difficult uh, question, and as you'll hear in this passage, uh, people had differences about it. So let's listen now and hear how the church discerned the will of God for this important question. Let me take a drink first. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch, 
and we're teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. So these people were saying, you got you to keep all the laws. Gentiles got to keep all the laws. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria. They told how the Gentiles had been converted, and this news made all the believers very glad. And When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then, some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses, all 613 laws. The apostles and elders met to consider this question, and after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, said Peter, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. And he's talking about the story of Cornelius. When he preached at Cornelius' house, Cornelius and his family were converted, first Gentile converts. Peter's saying, I, you, you know what happened with me. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe that it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. Then the whole assembly became silent as they listened to Paul and, and Barnabas telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. And when they finished, James, who at this point is a leader of the church, spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from among the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written. And this is from Amos. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things, things known from long ago. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food-polluted idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord. So how do we find the will of God? Before we go any uh, further on this question, let me say something that's mildly provocative. There's a real sense in which we cannot know the will of God. No matter how hard you try and no matter how much you want to, we cannot know 
the will of God. Here's what I mean by that. I am one of those many people who plays the Wordle, okay? That's an online game, many of you know it, where you have to guess a five-letter word, and you have six chances to do it. And with every guess, uh, the, the, the online feedback will tell you if, you if you got a letter in the word and if you got that letter in the right place. And based on that feedback, you keep guessing until you get the word. And when you get the word, uh, it's really satisfying. It's great. Um, all the tiles go green, and they give you a little message. Splendid, impressive, quite wonderful. You're great, okay? It's really good. Out of all the thousands of five-letter words in the English language, you found the right one. Way to go. If you are asking a specific question about your life and the will of God for your life, like something as specific as, you know, should I go to college or not? Uh, or um, Finding God's will is not like the wordle. It's not like doing the wordle. There are no steps that I can tell you from this pulpit, nothing from Scripture, that will allow you to get to this answer where all your letters go green and the Holy Spirit says, guess what? You're supposed to go to this college, you're supposed to major in this, and this is the person you got to marry. Splendid, impressive, you found God's will. It'd be really nice if it were that way, right? Wouldn't it be great if we had a method that could do that? Because we don't like uncertainty. We like to know. We like certainty. But the truth of Scripture, and this is said multiple times, is that we're simply not made that way. We are contingent creatures, which means we are beings that cannot know all things. And the Bible says that over and over. God's ways are not our ways. We see through a glass darkly. It is not for you to know the days or the times. You can't know them. We live by faith and not by sight. You can't know with wordle certainty. But the news is not all bad. Even though you can't know with absolute precision, we can absolutely know generally the way God's will is going. For the decisions of our life, we can have a general sense of what God wants us to do and whether or not our decisions are going with the will of God or moving in an opposite direction. That is very much possible, and that's what we'll be thinking about today. So the early church is facing this hard decision about the Gentiles. How do they approach it? What do they do? I want to suggest to you four things, four tools that we see the early church using to come to the will of God, okay? And these four things, I've got them in a certain order. That's not the order of importance. They're just sort of the order that I think they show up in this passage. So what are these four things that can help us discern God's will for our lives? The first thing you see the early church using to find out what God wants them to do is their experience. What they see happening in the world around them, what they see the Holy Spirit, what they see God doing in the world around them. It is our experience of what God is doing that can teach us the word of God, the will of God. You see that very clearly, right? Uh, they're making the decision. First thing, Peter stands up and says, Hey, I'll tell you what I see the Holy Spirit doing. At Cornelius' house, the Gentiles were accepted. Before they were circumcised, before they observed God's law, God purified their hearts by faith. 
And then Peter and Barnabas stand up right after him and said, yeah, I mean, we saw absolutely the same thing. In our missionary journeys, the Gentiles are coming to Christ and, and God did not discriminate. It was their experience. And seeing what God did in their experience that helped them discern God's will. When you face a big decision, pay attention to your experience. Prayerful attention to the things that are happening in your life. Because God is at work in your life. Romans 8, 28. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. God is working in your life. There are things to see if you are prayerful and attentive. And those things can teach you God's will. Sometimes those things are, are, are sort of startling and supernatural, right? Maybe you're going to, trying to choose what college to go to and you're just sort of randomly in the grocery store and you meet someone who, who is from this college and you have this really interesting conversation and you really feel drawn, like something special happens. Sometimes that's how the Holy Spirit does it. But just as often, and maybe more often, it's very conventional things that the Spirit uses as part of your experience, right? Could be more of your friends are going to this college, or you got a better scholarship, or when you visited the campus, you just, just felt like this is the place. Whether they're sort of special experiences or more conventional experiences, our experiences are things that God is using to show us his will. God is active in your life. Pay prayerful attention to what he is doing. But, now this is the second tool, experience alone is not enough. The second tool that we need to find God's will is scripture. And again, this is exactly the way it goes here, right? So Peter and Barnabas stand up and say, hey, this is what we've seen in our missionary journeys. And uh, Paul says the same thing. And then James stands up, and what does he do? He tests their experience against Scripture. He goes to the book of Amos, and he says, you know what, guys? What Paul and Barnabas and what Peter are saying, that fits completely with what Amos said, because Amos prophesies that the Gentiles would be called to be part of God's people, that they too would have a name. They too would be part of the family. This all fits. They measure experience against Scripture. That's really important. Because if you just go by your experience, you're a sinful creature. Uh, we have the ability to deceive ourselves. And you might interpret your experience not so much in the light of God's spirit, but in the light of what you want. And so we measure our decisions, our experiences against scripture to make sure that they're following on God's path. And sometimes we do that by just looking at the rules of scripture, right? If, if, if the decision you're going to make is obviously violating one of God's commandments, that, that's no good. We also measure it against God's story. This is a great way to discern God's will. Is my decision in line with the story of God? Right? This is God's story. It is his will. It is his plan, broadly speaking, big picture. God who creates the world in love, who doesn't give up on it when it falls, but moves towards it, who sends Jesus to redeem it with sacrifice and love, sends his Holy Spirit and is going to make all things new. It's this redemption story, right? When you're going to make a decision, whether it's where to go to college or what am I going to do on a Saturday night, you can ask yourself, does my decision fit this trajectory? Does it move in accordance with that story? Or am I going off in more of a selfish direction, a self-centered direction? 
First John 4 says, test the spirits if they are, to see if they are from God. We test our, our experiences against the word of the Lord. Which brings us to the third thing we use to discern the will of God. And this one is an interesting one, and maybe one that you don't usually think of. We can discern the word of God by developing holy and godly instincts or intuitions. And when we develop godly intuitions, you will, we will be able, with the help of the Spirit, to be able to instinctively feel and know what God wants us to do. We will have an instinctive feel for the will of God. A more conventional way to say this is that we develop the mind of Christ and the heart of Christ. We internalize God's will by the Holy Spirit. If that sounds weird to you, uh, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your interior. Do you remember the rest of it? So that you may know what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You're transformed with your mind. When the Holy Spirit transforms your mind, you know, you begin to know instinctively the will of God in things. What is this like? This is a little bit um, like when you get really good at a task, okay, and it becomes sort of instinct for you. Uh, I'm a painter, um, not a painter of portraits, a painter of walls, <laughs> which is much less distinguished, I know. But I'm a painter, and I, I, it got me through college, right? I, I earned money by painting. And when I started out painting the first year when I was in college and I started painting, I really had to think. It was not intuitive. I had to think when I painted. How much paint do I get on this brush? And when I put it on the wall, how hard do I press? And how much paint can I lay off before I got to go back? Um, and after doing it for a while, you internalize it. And, and now when I paint, I can just go. I, I don't have to think about it. It's just instinctive. The same thing happens through the power of the Holy Spirit when we open ourselves to God and seek his mind and his heart. This starts with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't start with you. You don't create the mind of Christ. It starts at your baptism or it starts by some movement of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then you have the choice to either cooperate with it or go against it. But if you cooperate and open your heart, mind of Christ, the heart of Christ can be in you and you want what God wants and you love what God wants and his will will be like instinct. This is not infallible. Just like your experience, it needs to be measured against scripture. But it is a real thing and it is a way to find the will of God. Finally, last tool for finding God's will in your life and that tool is all around you. It is the people in this room. It is the community of Christ and that's so clearly what the early church does when they have to make the decision, right? What do they do when they want to find God's will? They all come together and they have much discussion and they talk to the apostles and the elders and they discern together what God's will is. Finding the will of God is not something you do all by yourself. You do it in community. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool seems right to him. A fool does it by himself but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 1, verse 5. Let the wise listen to add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. Finding God's will is a team sport. That's one of the great things about being in a team ministry. 
So sometimes I'm sitting in my office and maybe I'm making an important decision and trying to think what the right thing to do is, or I'm writing a sermon and, and I have a point of, that I want to make and I wonder, hmm, am I getting this right? I don't have to do this by myself. I can walk over into Christy's office and I can say, does this sound nuts? And sometimes she says, yes, it does a little. And often she says, no, I think that's, I think that's good. And, and she comes into my office. And it's not just the two of us, but it's what happens in a staff. That's how it works, prayerfully together as a community, discerning God's will, helping each other find the way. So those are the four components, the four tools. Your experience, scripture, the mind of Christ, those godly intuitions, in the community. Uh, if you use all those four components together, as I said before, you won't find wordle certainty. You won't get certainty, but you will have confidence. Not certainty, but confidence that you've done all you could to faithfully discern God's path. And you can move forward with confidence that he will be with you. One more thing I want to say to you young people. I've tried to answer the question, how do you find God's will? The other thing I want to say is, I hope you never stop asking that question. I hope that question bugs you your whole life. I hope that question pesters you and nags you your entire life. And I hope that because if it does, that's a sign that the Holy Spirit is working in you. It's a sign that the sail of your life is wide open to the wind of the Spirit. And if the sail of your life is wide open to the wind of the Spirit, you can be confident that he will steer you in his paths and he will guide you home. Amen. Lord, you know um, that we are contingent beings. You know that we see through a glass darkly and, and Lord, sometimes that glass is pretty dark. Uh, Lord, we know that our life is completely in your hands, that you hem us in behind and before and that you mark out the path for our feet. And so we put our future in your hands, we open our sails to the wind of your spirit, and we ask that you would lead us home. Amen.